Thank you so, so much, you guys. Good morning. Merry Christmas to you. Hope your Christmas was absolutely wonderful. And now here we go. We're going to move into the year 2015. Can you imagine? And wasn't it just yesterday that everybody was going to say, we're moving into the year 2000. Everything's going to explode. We're not going to be able to go forward. Something's going to happen bad. And now it is 15 years later. We're moving into the year 2015. Praise the Lord, I'm here with you. I thank God for each of you. Uh, When I was laying around this past couple of weeks, I'm going to do something that's off. off, um, I don't normally do this. Uh, But I was laying around and and I've been, you know, hearing what's going on in the United States of America and... and, uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm listening to everything that's going on, and I'm, I'm really troubled. I'm, this is not on the message. This is just my heart, and this is a bully pulpit type of thing. But I wonder, if, are there any policemen or policewomen here in, the, uh, in our audience? Do we have anybody that serves in the police department at all? Any firemen? Yes, Harley was. Yes, of course. Any firemen? Military people? God bless you guys. God bless you, policemen and firemen, those that might be listening. I I understand people listen to me online. Um, Military people, you've been dredged through the muck and mire as far as the United States is concerned these past few weeks. As far as I understand it, I'm, I'm sitting home and I'm becoming like upset in my stomach the way they've been treating our 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 society of some. I've been treating some of our police people and our, our firemen and women and, and military people. And I've had it up to here. And I want to yell and shout from whatever place I can, God bless our policemen and police women. God bless our firemen and firewomen. God bless our military people. What would we do without you? And uh, I'm just, I've just had it. Uh, the whole idea that some of them might be racist is, is absurd to me. It's absolutely absurd to me. I heard one gentleman say he got a medal from the military, and he said, you know, I've never once woken up this morning and said, I'm just going to go out there and serve all the, all the black people in our society, or I'm going to serve all the white people, or I'm going to serve all whatever. I, I go out to serve the United States of America, and I believe that's what all of them do. I, I just can't imagine. And... and and so I know this is politically incorrect, but, but our message is about politically correctness a little bit today. But I want you to know that for myself, I absolutely love you. When, I, when I'm running away from trouble, you guys are running right towards it. And I understand that. Whenever I'm at a, a market and I see a group of policemen or firemen, especially firemen getting food because of I guess they're going to make food for themselves at the fireplace. I always go up to them and thank them. And, uh, you know, I, I, you know I, I go up, you know, I just love you guys. And I, I know love is a bad, it's kind of a hard word to gra- grasp. And they look at me like, who is this old man now? What am I going to have to put up with this guy? And I just want to tell them thank you. Thank you for serving us and for making our lives better because you put your life on the line for us. And that's the truth. So I don't know if it's in your nature, but if you ever see a, a policeman or a fireman or whatever, like if I'm at a, a street corner and a, 
police officer pulls up. I roll down my windows and, 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 and yell at him, thanks, thanks. Thanks for serving us. I wanted to get that off my chest. I'm sick and tired of hearing uh, what, what they're having to go through. That's that. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I, I don't. Oh, that's kind of you to clap. I, uh, I'm not asking you to agree or disagree. I just, I've got to say it. I've got to say it. And uh, this is kind of like a bully pulpit for that moment. And uh, forgive me if I, uh, I do that. I, uh, let's talk about where we last met. It's been almost a month ago since I've been here. And we talked about Peter and, and telling us that, that in verses 13 through 17 is, is what we talked about last. Let me just fill us in because uh, what Peter's going to do in a moment is he's going to double down. Peter said in verses 13 through 17 that we are to do the will of God. We are to do, he says, what is right so that we might silence the ignorance of foolish men. If you remember, we, we taught that, that the Bible says a foolish person, a fool has said in his or her heart, there is no God. And so by doing what is right, Peter says that we would silence the ignorance of those who are fools. As we were, as he says in verse 17, we are to honor all people. We are to love the brotherhood. We are to fear God. And we are to honor the king. Well, after saying that in verse 17, the next section of Scripture, Peter doubles down upon the call and purpose in our lives as believers. He gets pretty strong in what he's about to say. And we need to understand what he is about to teach because there is a, a political correctness that's going on in our society that says, no, 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 everybody is to have equal rights. What does that even mean, equal rights? Listen to what it says in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 18. Servants, now let me stop for a minute. We're going to read in a second. But servants here and, and slaves here speaks of, in today's vernacular, those who are employees and employers. Those who have people working under them and people who are working for others. And so he says, verse 18, Servants, be submissive to your masters with all respect, not only to those who are good and gentle, but also to those who are unreasonable. For this finds favor. If for the sake of conscience towards God a person bears up under sorrows when suffering unjustly, well, what credit is there if when you sin and are harshly treated you endure it with patience? But if you do what is right and suffer for it, you patiently endure it, this finds favor with God. For you have been called for this purpose, since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example for you to follow in his steps. He who committed no sin, nor was any deceit found in his mouth, and while being reviled, he did not revile in return. While suffering, he uttered no threats, but he kept entrusting himself to him who judges righteously. And he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross that we might die to sin and live to righteousness 
For by his wounds you were healed. For you were continually straying like sheep, but now you have returned to the shepherd and guardian of your souls. It's a great place in Scripture. Absolutely wonderful. But there is a, a need and a necessity to understand what is being said and, and to break down some of the words from Greek to English so we understand and comprehend the depth of what Peter is asking of us as believers. To suffer. Sometimes even to those who are unreasonable. So as perhaps to present the gospel of Christ to those who are observing us. It really goes back to chapter 2 and verse 15. Such is the will of God that by doing what is right, you might silence the ignorance of those who are fools, those who say there is no God. So with that in mind, Peter now has doubled down. Let's, let's draw back just a moment. Let's remember, who is Peter writing this book to? Remember, he started off by those who were in Rome and had to be dispersed throughout the Roman Empire because they were being persecuted, Christians were being persecuted in Rome. And so they left because of the persecution in which Peter wrote to them and called them, quote-unquote, aliens. In other words, this is not your home. Your home is in heaven. And he tried to comfort those who were going through difficulties by giving them the hope of their eternal glory in heaven. So basically, you and I need to remember, this is written to those of us who realize and recognize this isn't our home. And so he says, if you're suffering unjustly, do so. Christ suffered for you. He left an example for you to follow in his steps. This is hard stuff. This is telling us to do things that are difficult at times in our lives. To serve those who are unlovely, unkind. But thank God for the Greek language because it, it gives us an out. And I'll tell you that in a moment. But first, let's talk about what Peter has presented to us. First, let's pray. Dear God, Help us to honor you in all, all parts of our lives. Help us to be a church that uh, doesn't water down the Bible. Speaks to it as clearly as we possibly can. And interprets it as clearly as we possibly can. I realize and recognize that there are many who try to Try to teach the Bible in such a fashion that it's more acceptable to mankind rather than teaching the truth and allowing mankind to deal with the Bible. We try to water down, or some do, not us, to water down the Bible so that it makes it makes it easy for believer and non-believer alike, so as to attract people to a church, so as to make it comfortable. If 
Father, let us not ever do that to compromise your most holy word. May we teach it as clear as possible, as honestly as possible. Lord, would you open up our eyes so that we would behold wonderful things that come from your law, your words, your mouth, your heart, your thoughts. And would you move me aside so that I don't interfere with anything you want to do with any of us. Just let us teach the Bible clearly. And then deal with it, Father, as we may. I want to thank you, Father, for again, for, for David Briggs and for Rob Selleck. The way they filled the pulpit so beautifully. We would be lost without them, Father, as a body of believers. And I want to thank you for them and and also, for that matter, for Brian Thompson, who leads the leadership team with them. We, believe we, are, we are an honored and blessed church for these men. So now, will you bless us, Father, as we, uh, we study your word again. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Here's my problem with too many churches across the United States of America as I hear it. They're presenting a message loud and clear that come to Christ and everything will be just great, just perfect. Few churches choose to tell the people the truth of the Word of God. And that is, when you come to Christ, you and I have been given a call, a purpose within our lives. And that purpose is that we have been called to suffer much like our Lord did. You cannot read or decipher verse 18. 21 in any other fashion you and i have been called for this purpose speaking to believers i wrote down great great we know what our purpose is in life what is it lord tell me my purpose okay since christ suffered for you he left an example for you to follow in his steps are you sure pastor are you sure we're to suffer? I thought coming to Christ meant that everything was going to be perfect. Health, wealth, you name it. We've got it. I've heard some people say, that doesn't seem fair. I know people, Christians, who call themselves Christians that they don't seem to be suffering. What about them? What if they don't suffer? Am I to suffer? I can only tell you this. I can only tell you that once Peter, who wrote this great book, asked the same question of none other than Jesus Christ himself. I want to show it to you. If you don't know it right off the top of your head, let's take a look at it. And, and I want to give you the same answer that Jesus Christ gave him, who in return gives to us. Turn to John. You'll turn to your left. You know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and then John. Turn to John chapter 21. Peter and the guys had just gotten through fishing. Our Lord caught some fish and was waiting for them on the the shore. When they recognized it was Jesus Christ on the shore, Peter rushed ahead just to get there to be with Jesus Christ. And when he got there, after they had gotten through eating, in John chapter 21, verse 15, Jesus Christ said to Simon Peter, after they had finished breakfast, Simon, son of John, 
Do you love me? The word love there means agape. Do you love me beyond and above any, anything and everything else? Do you love me more than these? And Peter, Simon, son of John, said to Jesus, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. The word he used there was phileo. It wasn't agape. It wasn't like this love beyond anything and everything else. He says, you know I like you very much. That's what he said, phileo. Jesus then said to him, tend my lambs. Again, Jesus asked him second time, do you agape, love me? Peter said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I phileo, like you a lot. He says, here, love you. But that's not what he said to the Lord. So Jesus said, then shepherd my sheep. Third time, Jesus said to him, Simon, son of John, verse 17, do you phileo, do you like me a lot? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you phileo, do you like me a lot? And Peter said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I like you a lot. Phileo. Jesus said to him, tend to my sheep. I want to get to the crux of what happens here. In verse 18, remember, we're going to look at this thinking, some people say, well, do I have to do this? What about, what about the other people? They don't seem to be suffering. Jesus said in verse 18, when you were younger, talking to Peter, you used to gird yourself and walk wherever you wish. When you grow old, you're going to stretch out your hands and someone else is going to gird you. He's going to bring you to where you do not wish to go. Now, verse 19 tells us what verse 18 is. Jesus was signifying to Peter what kind of death he would now watch. Read it really wonderfully and carefully. What kind of death he would glorify God. What kind of death he would glorify God. And when Jesus had spoken this, he said to him, what? He said to him the same thing he said to any and every one of us that come to him for salvation. Follow me. Here's how you're going to die. Nonetheless, I want you to follow me. So, what does Peter do? <laughs> Look at Peter in verse 20. Love it. Love, love, love this verse. Turning around, Peter saw the disciples whom Jesus loved. That's John. He was following them. Even explains, he's the one who would lean back on the bosom of Jesus Christ at supper and said, Lord, who is the one who is betraying you? That's John who asked that question. So Peter, verse 21, seeing John, said to Jesus, what about him? You just told me how I'm to die. You want me to follow you. What about him? Now listen to our Lord's answer and take heed because Jesus said to Peter and ultimately he says to every single one of us who choose to follow him, if I want him to remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. You want to hear the gospel? That's it. You want to come to Christ? Follow Jesus Christ. 
What about those other people? They don't seem to be having it as tough as I do. What does it matter to you what I do to them, he will tell you. You follow me. It's one of the hardest lessons I ever had to learn as a man. I wanted everything to be even Stephen. I wanted us all to have a level playing field. And Jesus looked at me very, very sternly, and that's my mind. And he said to me, what does it matter to you what I do with other people? I want you to follow me. Are you willing? That's part of the message. Are you willing? Back to 1 Peter chapter 2. In our politically correct society today, told you I'd get to political correctness, we've been told that everyone is to have quote-unquote equal rights. That is, the people who cry out for equal rights, that's their quote-unquote moral cry. Everyone should have equal rights. Tell me, tell me, I would like to ask them, what are our equal rights? Well, what they'll say is, well, those who have been successful need to share with those who have not been so successful because those who have not been so successful haven't had the same chance that those do. Really? 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 I'll tell you what our equal rights rights are as a believer. The Bible says this about equal rights. You see, there's very few people out in the world in its system that talk about true equal rights, and that is you and I are to sacrifice, sacrifice our life for others. We only hear about ethnic rights or reproductive rights, that is whether to have a child or to, let's abort it. Not a good time for us to have a child. Abort it. Or immigrant rights, legal or illegal. Homosexual rights, workplace rights, and on and on and on. There's rights for everything. The focus on your and my right as a believer in Jesus Christ is out of place within our lives unless we become concerned with obedience and submission to the will of God. That's our right. When you and I obey, when we submit as God commands us, then we prove what our equal rights is, and that is our hope. And our hope is not here on this earth. It's eternal. See, that's what Peter was preaching. That's what Peter was telling them. I know you've been dispersed. I know your home is in Rome, but you do not have a home in Rome anymore. You had to leave because you would have been killed if you stayed in your home in Rome. Where you are now, you're to suffer for the cause of Jesus Christ because you're not in your place of eternal wherever it is you're going to spend. Your eternity is in heaven. That's your hope. Therefore, you are to suffer if God so brings it your way. I'll tell you what God says are your and my equal rights. They are, we are all going to suffer to one degree or another, and our purpose is for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ, how we handle it. 
how much we suffer, how long we suffer, how often we may suffer, or how much or how long or how often we may be blessed. That's totally up to our Lord. I'll get personal for a moment. When I was... The whole situation with when I church I was at before, Yorba Linda Friends Church. I left wasn't in a very good position. It wasn't a good situation. And so I had many, many of my friends say, you need to let the people know your side of the story. What they were saying about me was not true. Was not true. And so I had people come to me and say, you need to tell your side of the story. In fact, Kenny Hutchison wanted to fly down from Washington, walk into the church in the morning and say, stop, let me tell you the truth. I said, no, we can't do that. What I wanted to do was, what I wanted to do is, I love the commentary I read about this in, in, from Dr. McGee. Dr. McGee said when he was younger, when he was treated badly, he wanted to hit somebody right in the nose. I love Dr. McGee's candor. So did I by the way. But he said, you know, as I grew in the Lord, I realized that uh, that wasn't my position. And I realized at that time then, when that was happening to me some ten years ago, that wasn't my position to defend myself. My position was to allow God to have whatever be done, done. And if there was vengeance to be had, it would be His, not mine. Upon me, if I deserved it, or upon whomever. That's my equal rights. To let God deal with it. And how much and how long and how often I either suffer or get blessed, that's totally up to the Lord. You see, Paul, my hero, tells us about something like this. He says, if you want to find it, it's in Romans chapter 12, verses 17 to 21. Isn't that fun? That thing up there? That's pretty clever. I get to see what you see now. If you notice, in the back of the the, the room that they put up another screen up there and I get to see what you guys see. In Romans chapter 12, verse 17 to 21, Paul says this, Never, never, never pay back evil for evil to anyone. Respect what is right in the sight of all men, he says in verse 17. If possible, this is such a great verse. Verse 18, if possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. In other words, there's some people you're thinking maybe in your mind right now, I'm suffering, but by gosh, the person that's, that's allowing me to suffer, he doesn't, he doesn't give me a chance to make it right with them. Well, if possible, as far as it depends on you, be at peace with them. If they won't accept it, that's their problem, not yours. If possible, so far as it depends upon you, be at peace with all people. Never take, verse 19, never, again, Paul is using a very harsh word, never take your own revenge, beloved. Leave room for the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Rather, he says in verse 20, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. For in so doing, you will heap burning coals upon his head. Do not be overcome by evil. Rather, overcome evil with good. There it is. That's, that's as 
pure and as simple as it gets. Neither Paul nor Peter nor any of the New Testament writers ever advocated that a worker should rise up against their boss. Rather, they say they are to be subject to them as long as they are not asking you to do something that's illegal or dishonest. Reason I can say that is verse 18. You see, if you read this and you think through it, you mean to say, I have to be submissive in everything? No, because it says be submissive. That word in the Greek carries the idea of freedom of choice. In other words, you are to subject yourself to do what you do voluntarily. Nobody should make you do that. Not because you feel that your boss is great, but because you want to have your testimony of Christ to be clear. Remember verse 15. This is the will of God, that by doing what is right, you'll silence the ignorance of those who are fools. But listen, listen please. Some of you maybe are going through an intolerable situation. You need not stay in that situation. Staying in a terrible job, in a terrible situation, is purely voluntary. It is purely done to share the love of Christ in an unloving situation. But, but, if it is not possible for you to endure that pain, then leave. But, always leave for the right reason and with the right attitude. How do I know that? Look how this, look how Bible, don't you, I just want to love the Bible so much. Look what it says in the next verse. First Peter, chapter 2. It says, doing what you do in verse 20 finds favor with God. You've been called, verse 21, for this purpose. He's leaving you example to follow. But he's also said that you are to submit as a voluntary word. It is something you don't have to do. Now, look at verse 22, talking about Jesus Christ. He who committed no sin, nor was any deceit found in him. In other words, there was no dishonesty, no deceitfulness, no deception, no gossip, no, none of that stuff. None of that was found, it says in verse 22, in his mouth. Verse 23, while he was being reviled, he did not revile in return. While he suffered, he uttered no threats, but he kept entrusting himself to him who judges righteously. In other words, our Lord would not disrespect the persons or the people who were disrespecting him. Therefore, if you cannot take it any longer, leave as the Lord God Almighty would expect you to leave. Leave with his attitude, his respect for the others in mind, even if they were terrible regardless of the way they treated you, be kind to them. If possible, as far as it depends upon you, be at peace with all men. Verse 18 tells us, servants, be submissive. That's a voluntary word to your masters with all respect all respect, not just to those who are good and gentle, but even to those who are unreasonable. And so we are taught how to leave. We are to have the attitude. That's why that's put in there all of a sudden. Verse 22 and 23. 
the attitude of Christ shows us how we are to treat others. Now, verse 24 comes out like out of nowhere. And he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross. Where's that coming from? That we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you were healed. It's one of the most misunderstood places in Scripture you can find. There are those who would preach, oh, there it is, by his heal, by his wounds you have been healed. It's not talking about physical healing. Some have claimed that it does. Peter's not talking about physically being healed. He's talking about spiritually being healed. Read it again. Read it very closely. Verse 24. He bore upon himself our sins, not our physical infirmities. That we might die to sin, not to our physical infirmities. Live to righteousness. That's the righteousness of Christ. For by his wounds that you and I have been healed. We will not necessarily be healed of any physical problems, people. Yeah, yes, that may be that may happen. We've we've had a, a situation here at our church that I don't even think we've told people about. There was a, that people would come every once in a while to the, the leadership team and ask us to pray for them, anoint them with oil. We do. We prayed for a, a, a person that got healed of cancer, healed of cancer. The, the, the doctors were saying that the cancer was 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 a part of their, their body and. They got healed and they came back to us and said, the doctor said it was a miracle, we're healed. We didn't go and say to the church, look what we did. We're healers. No, we didn't do it. Christ did. We were just obedient. You and I will not necessarily be healed of any physical problems. That might happen, but that doesn't happen every time. The healing that our Lord and Peter is talking about is a spiritual healing. That he himself bore his, our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, you and I have been healed from our sins. That healing occurs every time you come to Christ for the forgiveness of sin. At salvation, you come to Christ. God gives an unbeliever the righteousness of his son, Jesus Christ, every time they ask. And He takes their sin from them every time you come for salvation. You only have to come once. And for the believer, those of us who are seeking forgiveness of sin, He takes the forgiveness of our sins that we ask of Him and He forgives us every single time we ask. We are cleansed. By His wounds, you and I have been healed of our sins. So for the for goodness sakes, don't be confused by these so-called people on radio and television that say, we are faith healers. Send us something. We'll send you back a piece of cloth or, or we'll pray for you and you'll be healed. And if you aren't healed, that's because you don't have enough faith. We do. You don't. Listen, they cannot heal you of your physical problems. No one can but Jesus Christ. And today's physical healings do not occur, occur every time we ask. Spiritual healings occur each and every time you come to Christ for the forgiveness of sin. Listen, I do not deny in the least 
physical healings. I believe that God heals. I believe that is an ongoing act of a very gracious God. But I do deny that it is a promise aspect of the atonement of Christ. In other words, just because you're a believer and just because you go to Him in prayer does not mean that you'll necessarily be healed physically. Spiritually, yes, every time. His atonement has only to do with the wiping away of sin. So verse 25, You were continually straying like sheep, but now you have returned to the shepherd and guardian of your soul. That is a, that is a quotation out of Isaiah, the 53rd chapter where it says in Isaiah 53, All of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. But the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him, Jesus. The phrase in verse 25, We're continually straying like sheep, describes the wayward and helpless wandering of lost sinners, whom Jesus describes in Matthew, the ninth chapter, the 36th verse. They are like sheep, without a shepherd those who have gone astray sheep without a shepherd in verse 25 the verb have return carries the idea it's in the greek it's e p e s t r a p h e t e carries the idea of repentance and and turning towards turning from sin and to god shepherd guardian of your soul it's a title that was given to God. In the 23rd Psalm, the first verse, it says, The Lord is my what? My shepherd. I shall not want. That's not only the title of God, but it was the title of Jesus Christ. In John chapter 10, verse 11, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Shepherd, guardians. It connotes the tender care of our souls. That term has been now passed down to the church. Pastors, elders, church leaders, people within the church, that should be all of us caring for each other's soul. We've been having a men's group that meets on Monday evenings, the first Monday of every month. And I'm trying to, to learn that Basically, that's what we are as men, but women as well within our church. We are guardians and shepherds of the flock. What I want for more than anything else in this church is for each and every one of us to see that we have that position. We are guardians and shepherds of each other. Guardian and shepherds of each other's soul, caring for one another. You know, this church... Every time I'm around it, I'm, I'm blessed. David Briggs, whenever we're in the back, he always says, I, I love this church. I love the people of this church. He, he said that to me about three or four different times on, on Christmas Eve service, listening to the young people sing, listening to those reading Scripture, and, and, and watching the service unfold as Brian put it together so beautifully. And he kept saying to me, I love this church, and I do too. I want you to love it. I want you to make this place yours. That you become like a shepherd and a guardian to those who need your help, who need your guidance. We'll all need you at one time or another. I'll need you. You'll need me. 
That's the way it works. So in a moment, we're going to close. I hope this was helpful, really helpful. Because don't feel that you're going through something unusual because you're being going through some suffering. It's common to all of us within the body of Christ. And when you're going through it, if you need help, you need care, come to one another. Let us be shepherds and guardians of your soul. In a moment, we're going to have a group of people come up here and pray for you. If any of you need prayer, anything specific, if you'll come forward up here at the end of the service, we would love to pray for you, whatever your need may be. It might be for you personally or someone else or, or, or whatever. Please allow us to pray for you. We want to be a church that prayers. One of, one of the greatest gifts that the Lord God Almighty has given to this church is Doug and Kathy Renault. It's one of the greatest gifts he's given because their heart is to pray. Pray for this church and pray for you. God bless you too. God bless you too. I'm not saying this to pump you up. I believe it's a gift that God has given you. I don't believe it's anything of yourself. But I do thank God for you more than you'll ever know. Now, Father, will you bless us as we go from here, wherever you might take us for breakfast now in a minute. Wonderful people who are preparing this meal for us to have this morning. And Father, that uh, that we learn that, that our lives as believers, we've been... Some people have been been sold a, a bill of goods that's a lie, saying that, well, you come to Christ, everything's going to be perfect. That, that is so not true. We have been called for a purpose, and that is to emulate Father, your Son, Jesus Christ. He suffered for us, and in so doing, He left an example for us to follow. Let us suffer when we do, with dignity, with care, And may we do it voluntarily. Father, if it's too hard for us, let us not stay in something that is difficult. If we have to leave, let us leave. But let us leave with dignity. I pray, Father, in Jesus' precious name. Amen. I love you all more than you'll ever know. Thank you so much for being here today. God bless you.